What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Ship Across the Border. My name is Max. I'm here with my ex-teammate, current roommate, I didn't know we were doing that. Chris. And today we have on a longtime friend, more of a longtime friend of my dad's. Now you guys played varsity high school basketball for York Mills together? No, against him. Against him? Yeah. But yeah, long-time friend of my dad, but also college basketball player for McGill, uh, co-owner of Elite Camps, uh, founder of PPT and a certified strength and conditioning coach, and a full-time father, and... Father of and wife, uh, uh, husband, father and husband, guests. a previous guest, third generation or third guest. Yeah. For the same family we'll podcast. Third, third, third time's a charm. <laughs> so, David Rudnick. What's going on, Dave? Your and our biggest fan. Previous coach. No, and your and previous my previous coach. coach and, our big, and the biggest fan. Yeah. And the uh, Ship Across the Border super fan. It's like for like speaking better and shit. No. <laughs> so why'd you say for the podcast? Bacon's not real, and neither are now. No, us. bacon's not real because if you go to a grocery store, there's too much bacon. Keep working, your time will come. It sounds like you're eating human bones. It's a mini. It sounds like you're eating hamster bones. It's a it might be stupid, but is India in the Middle East? I don't think so. <laughs> is it? True. So a lot of a lot of stuff. Talk about in this episode. It's gonna be a, a jam packed episode. But before we start, I want to talk about how this episode kind of came about. So I was uh, I was up north, Lake Muskoka, and I called Ryan to talk about something about work. Ryan called me, and there and Dave was driving up to the camp with Ryan and Jeremy, and he takes the phone from Ryan, and he's <laughs> he's like, Max, I just want to say that I have some feedback about the previous episode. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I got some. I don't like the way you guys are just talking about strength and conditioning, and I don't remember exactly what he said. But what I do remember is like, just explaining like Dave, like you're a professional, we're not professionals. That being said, come and share your expertise on the show about strength and conditioning, and come and help our audience, and uh, come and speak to our audience about the benefits and how necessary strength and conditioning is, and how to specifically do it as an athlete as opposed to a bodybuilder. And that's gonna be the bulk of the episode. So I said, yeah, come on, Dave, come on and share your expertise on the show. Come and say, instead of lecturing me about this, come and, come, here we come are. and say on the show, and here we are. <clears throat> yeah. So before we get into that, how did you kind of like get into basketball? Oh, so back then, I hate to start the story like that, uh, it was really a high school sport, right? Like you could go and play college just starting in high school almost. So um, I think I played tennis before. I picked up a basketball, loved it, and dropped everything and played basketball like one year in grade eight, and then Pretty much all through high school, you know, that was all we did, high school. What did you go to high school again? Uh, mostly McKenzie Collegiate, North York School. So you started pretty late then, and you just picked up basketball in grade eight. Yeah, but no one was playing rep in, like, grade two. Like, maybe there was one kid we knew that played in grade six. Uh, it really wasn't such a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Playing outside, playing with your friends. That's kind of what I wanted yeah. to ask as well, like, when we get into your story is, like, what was high school? Ba- what are the differences between high school basketball, like when you were playing? Because you played, obviously, went to, co- to play for McGill, which is a very high-level university. Right from playing at McKenzie, or right from playing at your, or wherever you played at a regular mm-hmm. uh, TDSB high school, as opposed to now, there's so many prep schools and like a lot of st- like it's still high school basketball seems completely changed. So I just wanted to see like kind of like a glimpse into like the past, like what high yeah. school basketball used to be before. Yeah, okay. to take yeah. Money from fam- from no, no. It's look. There's pros and cons with the change. There's a lot more players, a lot more coaches. So like, there's reason for this. But 
I think the cool thing uh, before was even if you didn't play for a top 10 school, you know, maybe you're playing for your school for a few years, you knew that you got a chance to play against them and you got a chance to show how good you are and your friends, you can beat those top 10 teams or compete. I think now it's you're in your own circuit and you're in it or you're in the public school in, in that circuit, right? So I think that was a big difference. There's excitement every year. Like maybe we'll go on, we'll beat that top 10 team. Maybe we'll go on. To offside, that was all there now, was. Now, Stephen Lewis is not playing Orangeville, and there's no, like, zero No, there's no chance. They're not going to arrange an no. exhibition they game. They probably won't even play similar yeah. teams. Like, they probably won't even have one overlapping game of, like, where there's, a team Orangeville plays versus a team that's Stephen there's Lewis. There's no way. Not even one overlap. Yeah. yeah. So then how do you kind of, like, choose McGill? From, um, did you have any other opportunities, or didn't, like, how does that how A does, few, yeah. How I does mean, the recruitment come from a regular TV? So we didn't have Twitter accounts. Where coaches started following us, and we followed coaches. So... I, I made like an old VHS tape, put it in an envelope and send it. I chose like a few schools, maybe five. Uh, I sent it to them and then you get a letter back in the mail weeks later. So the big ones that I got back were Simon Fraser, which at the time they played NAIA. I ended up getting a scholarship to play there. At, the, the, at that time, the coach was Jay Triano. So that was pretty cool. He went on to be uh, Olympic coach and NBA coach and then a couple other Canadian <laughs> universities. But McGill was the one... I just felt at home. I felt I could play there. I played against a lot of the guys. Like I, it felt like the right place. So, were you naturally gifted when you started? Oh no, no. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, I was ever gifted. But like most of you guys, like fell in love with the process of not being that good and being like I, I got to beat that guy, and then getting good and seeing what you had to do, and just getting there. All of a sudden, yeah, four years later, you're pretty successful and pretty uh, consistent, right? For but sure. yeah, no, no gifted. And then college career-wise, I know you didn't spend your full four years at McGill. So how did your college career go? And maybe, yeah, how did that go? Um, so not so good. Uh, probably just because I didn't give it the chance that it needed, right? I think, you know, the thing that, again, like most of us that, that got anywhere, the success was the persistence and, and just being really, really consistent over a long time. And I kind of forgot then university, I thought, because I did that here or maybe I got – an offer to go somewhere better than most of the guys on the team were gone, that I should be right away a player, you know, of significant minutes and, and stuff like that. But um, I didn't really wait. I wasn't very patient and forgot that and moved on. And then I never really played anywhere else. And where did you go after that? I did, I did university. I finished at University of Toronto. I did two degrees there. But, um, yeah, I didn't play there. And then when Steph was on the podcast and she explained how she's starting a lead and then she's like, you guys are together, and then eventually, like you quit your whatever office job. Like, what did you go into after? Okay, yeah. Like, how did so, you like my undergrad was life sciences and so physiology stuff like okay. that. Um, so probably thought I'd be a doctor, but it was uh, not too into blood. So figured <laughs> something else. So went into IT. There, okay. they seem not related, but everything's related, right? There's patterns and process. Uh, so worked there, liked it. Went into MBA. And then worked in IT and corporate jobs, big companies for a while. Um, always loved basketball. Like never, like we build a court everywhere we go, our backyards, shooting all the time. Never thought I would work at Elite, but things started going differently. Elite started growing and could use expertise like on the court, but also off the court. And uh, yeah, it was about eight, nine years into working corporate that I joined Elite. So then that was when you decided to be a personal trainer? Um, From Elite? So there's some overlap there. So we say strength coach, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) So I think that came through. I I think I'm losing track now. I won't say how old I am. But so in like the 
maybe mid twenties to early thirties. Um, I was pretty much injured. Like I had a pretty bad back. Like I would get up from like the chair and, you know, I'd be like this, <laughs> have to uncrank myself. And in the car, I'd be digging into things. And I went on for years. I'd seen some people, specialists, some said it was aging. Some said it was degeneration, just like no plan. And then finally went more like to chiros and physios that believed in exercise. And, you know, it was a slow process, whether it was that exercise, yoga, physio, just really low level exercise, which is what rehab is. And I was like, holy cow, like I'm, I'm doing things that everyone said I couldn't do. It wasn't basketball yet. It was just like moving and standing up well and being able to run. Um, so just started researching on my own. And then I think the overlap was at Elite. We were running some like, let's say fitness circuits. And they kind of bugged me because they're a little random and wild. What and do you mean, like so like in the, we would do a lot of team camps back then. So like 13 to 16, like you may have even yeah, been yeah. one. And there was always a thing about, uh, we would call it fitness. Like a segment um, is like- it would be, yeah, it would be a massive, um, circuit of all these things. And just, I, I knew from what I started learning, like it's not right. So I'm like, okay, I got to do something to get some credibility. So I did a bunch of certifications, but the biggest one was the certified strength and conditioning specialist, which is kind of what you need to be a division one strength coach. So honestly, you don't necessarily learn so much how to do stuff from there. It's, it's credibility saying like, I did the hard thing that you guys that did your masters of science uh, do. And then, uh, so then started changing things a bit in elite there. And then when we opened up our own facility, I was always like, okay, it's, we're going to open a strength and conditioning studio, right? Always learning as you go. Like I've gone other places to learn some of the, who I feel are the greats in athletic performance, how they train and learn from them, certify with them, visit their places. But I don't know if I answered your question. But no, definitely. I kind of want to get into that kind of like journey because especially mm-hmm. like, I think when you were coaching me, Ryan, and kind of like in grade eight, kind of like when you're definitely like, I remember hearing in the car on the way to practice and stuff, like going through these journeys, going like to different places, to yeah. different like dunk conventions or like different oh, yeah, other yeah. stuff conventions. But before that, Chris had brought up something earlier that he wanted to ask you about like rehab and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was saying like, there's probably a lot of kids watching this who might be going through like early knee injuries or knee pain and stuff like that. And that's usually like one of the most common basketball injuries. So I'm wondering if you have maybe like three or four things that you could give the people like exercises or just daily things they could do to help their knee pain. Okay. Um, so I'm not a physiotherapist. So first thing I'd say, or Cairo, and I love them both. I would say really like, even though I can probably predict some of the exercises they're going to give them and the progressions, just cause we've seen it uh, either as a patient or other clients or friends, I would say, go see a physio or Cairo, like make sure it isn't anything else. Like there's so many possibilities, you know, often it's Osgood Schlatter's right. Or jumper's knee. Um, but usually it's stop jumping. Right. So, you know, I'd say one is see a physio or Cairo, some kind of uh, rehab specialist, stop jumping and doing the things that hurt. And then if you are going to get back to stuff on your own, really introduce things slowly. So like usually the slowest, the lowest level form of exercise is an isometric. So in other words, holding a position for 15 or 30 seconds. And usually when you go to any of those rehab specialists, that's where they start. Um, Obviously, you can roll and stretch and do those things, too. But I, I think. If I would recommend someone, that would be those three things first. So, so then now, so what is that kind of like, I don't know, you went to like this dunk stuff and you went to like with, like with Mike Dunn, yeah. like the shooting stuff. Like okay. Talk a little bit about okay. that type of, like that, those um, types of things. So, so I, I guess I do love basketball. <laughs> um, so that's good that I joined Elite. And um, 
I love learning. So I think those two things go hand in hand. I think there's a lot to learn in either area. I probably spent more time in strength and conditioning, but um, in terms of the jumping stuff, I think what happened in my, so I got better right in my early thirties. I'm like, wow, I can play basketball. Um, I played in a master's level competition with some friends who they, they're 50. They still play. Um, but at 37, so I remember going through the training. And again, I've always what do you mean like a master's level, a master's like a Maccabi master's game. We went to the oh, Bra- okay. to Brazil and um, I haven't really played much for a while after that. But I went through the training I would do like as if I were going to tra- play college again and get to the layup lines like a, basically like it worked like perfect, like a month before and dunk and two hand dunk like wow um so it's kind of got back into that and then were I you like an athletic player when you were playing? no i would always say athletic for a non-athletic player okay how's that so like uh <laughs> i'm giving an nba comparison to athleticism that's impossible to give you <laughs> <laughs> um my favorite players are guys like currently like a clay thompson okay. um but i i couldn't tell you any nba player that i can compare to could you dunk um, better or worse than jeremy could when Jeremy was dunking? Uh, I never had a great two-foot jump. He had he a good, very good too, yeah. good two-foot. So, I mean, everything's a long time ago. But I, I could I, – I love – again, I love the process of, like, not being able to dunk, dunking, not being able to dunk two-hand, dunking two-hands, maybe a little pump, whatever it is, or touch the backboard. Um, so, anyway, I did that again in my late 30s, and I connected with a whole world of crazy people that are, like – ranging from 16 to 40 something in the dunking world so it's kind of cool they're That's really a thing like on, oh. on social media like training to dunk day yeah. 150 of like yeah. trying to dunk like so i got to meet a lot of those guys and I, so one it started with a guy named over the hill dunker um andy nicholson so he at the time did a huge documentary that went viral um and he entered a dunk competition i think he was 47 and like 510 and he basically, like, the whole dunk community loves him. And dunk communities, like, honestly, I like basketball more than dunking, but the dunk community is really nice. Like, in basketball, there's a lot of hate. Like, oh, this guy's not so good. You could miss 48 dunks in a row, and they're like, you got the next one. They're, they're like, amazing. Yeah. So um, through there, I went to one of his, like, we connected, and I went to one of his events, and there you meet, like, he's got everyone, like Connor Barth, Kilgannon, Isaiah Rivera, um, which... Jonathan, oh. uh, it's no, bad. I don't remember the name. One of the best, like I know, old ones. I know. Um, um, Kill Gannon. Kill Gannon. And yeah. Rivera. Yeah. Anyway, so I met with them, and I was also locally friends with Sherman Sue. I don't know if you guys know him. He's one I of the better Canadian elite. dunkers. He worked at Elite, right? Or something. Yeah, and he's known at the time. He was known as the best Asian dunker, but he's really one of the better dunkers in the world. He's on Dunking. So I would go at like forty, whatever, do dunk sessions with him, and then through. Um, dunk camp this over the hill dunker thing like when guys would come in sherman would text me and say hey you want to come dunk kill gannon's here i'm like really me they're like yeah let's go and and they're amazing like they always uh inspired me to just keep going and i feel you've won on a few other ones like you want something for strength and conditioning no? oh i've done a ton and i'll continue like strength and conditioning yeah like strength conditioning i usually i find i learn best through certification so i'm not like in strength conditioning, people say, oh, you, this guy's chasing letters. I actually stopped putting them uh, next to my name. But I find, like, why not? Like, I never, I love learning, but I never want to be a PhD where I create knowledge. I'm like, there's so much good knowledge out there. I want to go learn. So uh, it started with a guy named Joe DeFranco, who's more like hardcore football training. Like, I did his certification. So that's New Jersey. Um, 
John, my biggest one where I go visit often, where I base a lot off, it was Mike Boyle's Boyle Strength and Conditioning. I've certified all levels with them, visited their gym. That's in Boston. Um, the Jump Guy, uh, Project Pure Athlete, like he's in Canada. I've gone to him a couple times, certified with him. Uh, you name it, I'm going to go to Miami soon cool or something concept. else. It's just like yeah. find something you're passionate about within a, kind of like a more of a neat, like basketball is like the umbrella. And you kind of, it feels like you kind of find a niche of that, whether it's strength conditioning, whether it's dunking, whether it's shooting. You kind of go and you learn and you kind of get and become immersed in that and you like take whatever knowledge you learn from that. And not only do you apply it to you and your shot, your athleticism, your routine, but you also kind of take aspects of that and apply it to the business, apply it to Elite, no? Yeah, I, I use, and through Elite, I usually do that. I share with our yeah. lead trainer, Rudy, who's really good at training basketball, so I don't try and do that. Like, obviously, I coach, but I think there's a big difference between training, and he's a guru. No, he so I'll say, yeah, you work with him, you see, you train with him. So I'll tell him, oh, I went and did this. I, I like to feel it and know, yeah. so that's the shooting thing. I went out, uh, I worked with C. Mike Dunn online. Many people do. You can buy a subscription, well. just want to see, like, how can we change my shot? How can we make it different even at this age and learn different ways to teach people or a different model yeah, and convey like, it to Rudy? And when he buys in, he flies with it. For sure. You mentioned a bunch of those dunking guys. I'm wondering if you ever heard of Kadorziani. Kadorziani, oh, of course. So he's one of the yeah. OGs. He's, dunk, he's not going to like 50. And this oh, thing, yeah. This thing is like feet. Like he's blocked on like yes. feet is the Toes. secret to dunking if you just strengthen your feet and stuff. And I watched a bunch of his stuff too, and I, it was good. Like his, his yeah. crazy yeah. hips for that age too. Another question I have too is um, this is just me being curious. Uh, me and him talked to one of our coaches about like when he has a kid and like the day comes where your kid is just better than you and like you're doing the drive-by one-on-ones and you just can't compete anymore. I'm wondering if you had a moment with that with one of your sons. Honestly, I, I think I'm pretty good at seeing when it's coming and I just don't play against them. So I don't think I've played against them in a long time. Like maybe since they're like You think 13. if you played Nathan in a one-on-one... <laughs> Like, like you, I can you lace up in the backyard and you're like, like I'll, I'm taking tomorrow off to ice. I don't need to ice. I just, I, I can't. Are comment. you taking off tomorrow to rest in case like whatever? Like, would you beat Nathan in a one-on-one and how badly? I can't comment. I think t- that's a pretty obvious yes because all you have to do is catch the ball and put it down. Like, it, yeah. I'm but switching it. gears, Kaduziano was one of the fastest dunkers you've, you've ever seen. Eh? Everything was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fast. See, I'm trying to avoid answering that <laughs> No, so, I also, so you've, one of the people who I'm probably the person I know who's experienced like the most like it, within within basketball is the umbrella like the most different like pathways but another one I feel like you've also have a lot of expertise in is coaching like you were my coach in grade 8 you've been coaching you coached JC grade 5, 6, and 7 before and then now you're coaching Northern Kings yeah, like how, Scarborough is, Kings yeah Scarborough yeah. as well after that so like how is kind of like the coaching aspect kind of different from maybe the strength conditioning aspect, maybe different from the oh. playing aspect. Like there's so many different, there's so many different yeah. niches within basketball. And it feels like you're kind of just like going from niche to niche and kind of like just learning about it. And it's kind of really inspiring. But I want to hear kind of like those experiences. Of both yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. I mean, I think I've dabbled in all the niches, but like the, my forte is definitely the strength and conditioning, particularly the strength and jumping side. But that said, if I'm going to do something, I want to yeah. learn a little more. So coaching, yeah, like I didn't just go out there and ask, you know, the guy next to me on the bench, what to do. I'm like, shoot, I've got a coach. I found resources and started learning what we got to do, talking to other people, their experience, talking to coaches that work for us, uh, you name it. But, um, yeah, what was your question again? There's, like, like <laughs> the differences between, like, coaching and, like, maybe the other niches of basketball, okay. maybe the difference from being, going from being a player so I know maybe like now you're in the business side of elite where you're not technically, it's basketball coaching company, okay. you're not technically coaching, to now you're kind of like hands-on sitting on the bench, X's and O's, but kind of like the differences of that. But then also maybe like what was it like 
to kind of like because you coach you're Ryan's first coach and kind of let Ryan graduate from being coached by you to now being coached by yeah. somebody else and kind of just like that as a okay. whole. Okay, so okay, first of all, the differences I'll say somewhat also there's similarities like the I've always felt like if you're going to work in something, you should really know it from the ground up. So I think even if you're going to work in elite and just help them implement registration systems, sounds pretty boring. I've done that, right? Just knowing still how things work on the floor, how you coach, how you do all the logistics, it helps. So I think I've learned all the different parts of the jobs, whether it's the management, the hiring, the training, the coaching, strength conditioning, because I want to know everything. Um, but yeah, they're they're very different. Again, I, that's why I think I, I believe you should focus. I think there's a few people around in the world who've shown they are like legit experts in more than one of those domains. Any anyone know who I'm thinking about on strength and conditioning and basketball? It's pretty easy if you're following online. To me, there's one. Like I'm sure there's others, but one sounds out. It's uh, PJ. Oh, PJ. Performance. Like he's. Yeah pretty competent in both and i'm not saying again you couldn't be and i'm not saying there aren't others but they're different knowledge different skills what i do think helps though is knowing enough about all of them again helps you talk to the players like people ask oh is your training basketball specific like not really but i feel we can train basketball players because i can relate to you i can talk to you i understand as a player what you need and what to say, and I understand as a coach. Our coach would talk about that too. Is like, and I've noticed this as well. Is you can tell the guy, yeah, like Coach Jack, you can notice the coaches who have been players and the ones who haven't because the ones who haven't, they like to talk a lot in theory, and when they're talking to you, they don't really get it from the player side of the game. Whereas, like, if a coach has been a player before, he can kind of understand how to get that message through to each individual player because he's been on the other side of that, and it makes it yeah. a much better experience for the team as a whole. Yeah, and I don't know, like, the threshold, like, what level you need to play, but I think you just have to have some understanding of the game. You know, like, you'll hear a coach yell, you have to box so you can Like, have you even felt what it's yeah. like to get hit? From, do you know what it's like to avoid a box out? Like, have you – it's hard. I don't even think there's things written on that or, or videos on that, right? So, so when you're – this is kind of a bit more of a specific question, but, like, so when you're coaching us on JCC – I don't really remember it now, but like when you started off coaching, what are like some of the ba- things like in basketball you emphasize, and then how have that changed to now where you're coaching oh. Nathan at Northern Kings when you coach okay. Jeremy at Scarborough or Ryan at Scarborough? Okay. So like, what were you? I don't really remember to be honest with you, but what were you like stressed? Like, okay. is it deep, like, and then how does that change? So maybe maybe like you go to these camps and you or these and you learn other stuff and then you change your philosophies. Okay, so I think, think yeah, I think a couple. Of things uh change so first of all i've always believed in shooting and and you still do so that's good and like i i you know obviously you have to be able to play defense but offensively if you can shoot you're amazing people have to guard you again if you can use it if you can get a shot so shooting we've always stressed like we'll take time every practice and we still do to shoot those those standstill rhythm shots yes i know you have to take game shots from game speed but i just always believe if you can't shoot open you can't shoot contested so first you've got to master and keep seeing that percentage go up so that hasn't changed I was always there and I thought oh we're in shape and we play as a team we're good um as I got with uh coaching my youngest son we were playing at a much higher level so like earlier I was coaching in the let's say divisions eights and nines and tens and then division one two or three but it's all been one the last four years it's not necessarily a good thing, but it's all pressure. It's all, like, teams will play full-court pressure or half-court traps, which is worse, the entire game. So it becomes, like, are you tough? Are you guys able to 
be trapped, be pressed the whole way, stop, get the ball to someone else, move, and get an easy layup and take it off. Because if you can't, the game is just ugly. Like Rudy, when so. we were actually, I was doing All-Star Camp last week, and Rudy, like, what we were talking about, was like, he's like, at your guys' age, like, basketball is only, in like, from, like, grade 5, 6, 7, 8, like, only really in high school does basketball become X's and O's more in full course. That's when you're younger, it's just transition. And it's just, can you... Can you get a trans? Can you finish a fast break layup with pressure, or yeah. can you get a stop and get a fast break layup, or can you like handle the, like it's yeah it's a lot of transition. I was talking to him today about that. And I think just being able to dribble, like you don't need to move, you need to be able to dribble under pressure and yeah. stop and get rid of it. Yeah, For sure. and uh, unfortunately, that's happening more and more. That you'll see like grade four teams that are lower levels that really can't do anything, like and they're working the on these. Half court traps the whole game. Yeah, I actually never had to deal with that, and that's probably why I can't deal with it to this day. I absolutely hate when like a really athletic guy is defending <laughs> me, and that's been a problem for me for my entire career. And that's never something I actually got to tackle. And I bet that's one of the reasons why is because I wasn't seeing like full court presses or full court traps where I'm living at, at all until like grade. Yeah, it's, 11. again, it's not a bad thing. You got to face it somewhere, but it, it's unfortunate that it's becoming part of everything. But you're right. When you get to prep schools and university, generally you don't see them. Like, if they're down by five and there's a minute left, sure. But they're not going to – there's amazing point guards on the other teams. They're just going to send it to the open player. Yeah. So maybe they'll do it for a surprise here or there, but it's not as common. They're running plays, yeah, like no, a lot of plays. We had how many plays? <laughs> we had, like, 50 plays. Yeah. yeah, and even prep school, I think you would have had yeah, – like, yeah, so had that was at college. You yeah, guys prep school, prep we had tons school. of plays too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was breaking it down for him. Like, we had probably upwards of 35 plays that we ended the number. Yeah. just – so then kind of on the philosophy thing, it's like what are your like values, what are your – what stuff you believe in like at PPT? Like when, when you train an athlete, what are the stuff that you emphasize in importance? Okay. Um, so first of all, we'll start – like hopefully I answer this question. I'll go all over. Yeah, well, this is kind of what um, I'm talking about at the beginning. But yeah. Like, um, so first of all, I'll say like you know, strength training won't make you a good player. If you're a bad player, it will make you a stronger bad player. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to be a good player. That's your go-to line, no? I feel like I've used that a few times. <laughs> um, but so I obviously believe in it, but I just will get sometimes younger kids that call or should I strength train? And I try and find out where they're playing and what level, how many times a week they play. And if they tell me they want to play in the NBA and they're in grade seven, they're playing once a week. Um, like I, I say, you might want to first spend some more time playing basketball, get good at that. Um, so strength training, you know, we want you to learn how to do it right, how to do it safe. Like, number one thing is, you know, in terms of principles, like, don't get injured training, um, right? Like, because that defeats the whole purpose of the training, which is so that you can perform better. Next, um, you know, we want we want to reduce the likelihood of injuries down the lines. And then finally, we want to improve your performance. Uh, in terms of we deal mostly with kids like 13 to 16, it's just introducing it to them properly, letting them uh, learn how to do it on their own. Like I, the worst is if a kid comes to us for two years and they send a text, hey, I'm on my own next week. What should I do? Like, like really? Like you've got to know. We try and talk to you the whole time. We want you to learn how to build your own training and also to love it, to know that you, we get it. You're a basketball player. Like I don't think I love lifting but i still do it because oh. even at this age it connects me i'm like maybe i'll be able to jump or maybe i'll be able to run better stand better right you got to connect it to the process and know you're gonna have to do it forever and a lot more yeah, yeah. 
I kind of want to get into the first part of this where we're talking about what you disagreed with us in the last podcast. But before we do that, um, I kind of want to break down what would – so if you were – if there was a kid watching this and he wanted to build okay. a strength program for the summer, what kind of stuff would you have him doing before we get into the other part of it? Okay, so I would keep it simple. Say what you've got to do in every workout. Let's say it's three times a week because they're new, the beginner, total body. Um, let's make sure every workout – we're doing, we're pushing, we're pulling, we're squatting, we're hinging, we're doing core. So that we're, and this probably covers the, I don't want to say disagreement, but, um, so I would do that. Uh, I would say you also want to throw in, like people say, oh, like we have a Vertimax. Oh, can I do Vertimax training? Like, no, we don't do, it's not a ride. You can't go on it. It's, it's just a tool. It's part of the training. Um, but you should do some explosive and jump training at the beginning. So, Actually, let's even go back further. I'd say strength part, again, so push, pull, squat, hinge, core, every workout. Um, so that helps you balance your body. Yeah. So that's one thing, right? Because most kids, they look at a, go to a high school gym or a club gym, and they see guys they are learning from guys that are looking in the mirror, and that's what gyms are filled with. And they're going to do bench press. They're going to do core. They're going to do quads. Mm. And so it's all show, no go, right? Um, which leads to injuries down the road. So... I would say doing that alone will help you balance push and pull, squat and hinge, okay? Um, we would say you're an athlete, so make sure you're doing some single leg training. Um, like, again, in my time, we went to the weight room, we saw guys back squatting, and that's all we did. Like, I, one, I didn't do any hinges till much later, and two, like, never did a split squat or rear foot elevate split squat, any of that. Um, so we got your five categories We've got your, um, what we talk about, we've got your um, single leg training, five categories, it covers balancing your body. I would add some jump and speed work before, but everyone wants to work on jumping, so I would look at that. Um, we'd always also say, you know, roll, stretch, activate, uh, do all those things that take care of yourself. Yeah. And then, so I kind of went backwards, then get into the workout. Um there's more to it. Like, there's more to the, again, like pushing, really. There's horizontal and vertical um, hinging and squatting. There's one leg and two leg. But uh, that gives them a good template to start with. 100%. 100%. So now, what is like a, what is like a day-to-day look like for you? Just kind of trying to get into, like, oh, what there's, you there's no, like, exact day-to-day. Like, sometimes I'm in, an, in my office doing a lot of administration uh, some days I'm training people during the day. Some days it's a mixture. I'm in my office, train someone, come back, go to different campsites. Um, so there's a lot of variety. Sure, I guess the ideal could be training all day, but I have a lot of responsibilities, so I kind of mix it up. I do have one other trainer or, or coach, I say, that works for me as well. He does evenings, weekends. Um, you know, sometimes there's building your methodology and improving that, but usually you do that in big projects like i don't sit down today and say oh what are some videos we need to make or what are progressions we need to redefine that's planned out and then when are you when are you throwing down your next dunk that's the real question that's what people want to know i'm not sure so last dunk was at 46 you were actually in the gym it was probably my last resort dunk so it's the one where you run up with the ball in your hand so that's that's not a good sign but it kind of motivated me but i what i was doing i was waiting as training waiting till like I think just before I turned 47, try and get one every year, but I tore my calf. So that was like my first injury in a while or partially torn. Um, so rehabbing. And then I'm kind of, I've been going slow. Like I train, I jump, but I, I think I'm 
part of why I told my calf is like, I don't really play basketball enough. So yeah, I'm in the weight room, I'm jumping, I'm working out. And then I go jump on the court. Like it's not even once a week. It's like once a month. And that's pretty explosive. And, and yeah, it's not really the best thing of my age. So I think if I do it, I've got to really get out there more frequently. The goal was project dunk till 50. Um, so I'm 49 now. So we'll, we'll see. I have a year to try to, yeah. You think that's, do you think, a dunk is a dunk before 50s in your future? It's possible. Or maybe yeah, like after 50. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, again, I've met a lot of really crazy people um, that are doing that. Uh, some a lot shorter, which is pretty crazy. Right? 5'10", 50 something years old, yeah. dunking. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I'd be happy to play at 50. I'm not, <laughs> I can't. Um, if, I, if I can play full speed basketball by the time I'm 50, I'll be perfectly happy. And I've been injury free for my entire career. So, you got to keep playing. Yeah. So then. Before we wrap it up, one thing that we like to ask our guests, and I think this would be a really good question for you just because you've, after your playing career, gained so much knowledge about the game. It's like, what's one thing that, like, not that, maybe not that you regret, or maybe that you regret, but with the knowledge you have now going back to your playing career, what would you change? Oh, so, I, like, I don't know if that knowledge was around then. I just feel like playing the game differently um so like you learn from who you see i saw some guys that were good good shooters made to play university i copied them but there's just so much more i think now like you think of the game as all these great shooters and driving and kicking like i never once heard any coach talk about that or 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 thought about that like oh if i drive and get into the paint and just create i'll be able to get something for myself or kick um so i just don't think there were like i think at the same, same time some guys are overthinking the game I think there wasn't much thought. It was like, I get the ball, I'm going to just put my head down and go or shoot it. So I think definitely understanding the game and reads, which kids in like grade four are good at doing now. So I, that's what I recommend everyone. Like learn to play a team system. The higher and higher you go, it's going to be more of a team system. Uh, you know, find out what you're great at. Get really good at that. Like master that. Continue to work on your weaknesses, but really keep learning the game. I remember like, when we were, I think we were gonna drop off Brandon. It was me, you, and Ryan in the car, and we were pulling on yeah. um, Brandon Street. And like you were talking, it was just, what's one thing that you're really good at? Like, what's one thing that you're really good at that you can do amongst the best people, amongst the best in our division, amongst the best in our league? And, oh right. And oh, you're asking. Can me. you? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> saying, can you translate that? That's something that you told me. And what I said, my answer that I said then wasn't shooting. But it was something oh, I, like, it, was it was probably the opposite. It was it wasn't necessarily going to the basket. It was just like getting out in transition. That's definitely something that I still do. Yeah. And it, it was like getting deflections, getting getting in the passing lanes and running. And like that's something right. that I still I, that I said that in grade eight when I was fourteen, thirteen. And that, that's something that I guess that's my the secondary thing right. in my game other than shooting is like. But, but actually, that's a good point. You did something that's very interesting. So yeah, you your strength at that time was for sure slashing and running the floor. But somewhere you realize hey at at my height um with my goals i've got to change it right because that won't be enough at six foot nine and 220 with a 40 inch vertical that'll be good but at your height you're like i gotta be a shooter yeah and that's what i think got you to playing at this level yeah i've been starting to notice that lately too like especially with him since i'm trying to train him and other kids that i'm training that are younger a really a strength that i didn't get until i was way older is understanding what you're good at and then building on top of that so like it took me a long time to understand that i'm really not a ball handler like i spent the first 
five years of my basketball career just doing ball handling drills in my driveway because I didn't have a coach to tell me that I'm not really a ball handler. And now, like, at 20, it just sort of clicked that, like, I can, I'm really good at reading defenses when I don't have the ball in my hands. Like, I'd much rather have somebody dribble the ball on the court and then I can come off a down screen and just make reads. But, like, if I would have understood that at a much earlier age, if I would have had a coach tell me that, it would have changed the trajectory of my career entirely. Yeah. And then, I don't know, if you... Do you have anything else you want to say? Because otherwise... Yeah, I just want to say the last question that we ask all of our guests is just one piece of what's one piece of advice that you would give a younger hooper who's trying to play in college? I mean, you have one college hooper, you're raising two more, <laughs> and like what's maybe okay. not them, but maybe someone, maybe someone like Nathan's age, who who doesn't have the who hasn't been around the game as okay. much as Nathan has, who hasn't like seen as much of the other sides of the game. Like, what's one just one piece of advice? Oh, uh, just give one. To a young hooper? Um, so I think first they've got to be good at self-assessing. So you've got to see like how how good am I right now, and 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 also remembering that you could be the worst player now and you can be the best later. But still, how how good or not good am I now? And and being honest, like not just looking. Let's say you play on one team. Oh, on my team, I'm the best. Like that might not matter if you're telling me you want to play at Duke. You need to be looking at all teams. Uh, and understanding where you stand and then trying to figure out like, okay, wh- how do I, what do I need to get there? And, you know, again, what the height I'm likely going to be, what will I need and start down that and just be very persistent because you can do it. Like kids have done this that are, you see some kids, you're like, you're like an average looking kid with average athleticism and you're playing at a high major division one. Right. And they've done it. So it just, it takes that self-awareness and it takes persistence. Sure. You have anything else you want to leave the guest with? Because you said just one. So if you have, if you have anything else you want to leave the guest with, then you can. Well, add strength and conditioning to your, to yeah, your routine, the way right? Because that's going to be part of it. And, you know, it'll make you stronger. It'll make you better. It's The gains won't come overnight, but they'll come together with your game all at once to make you a much better player over time. Sure. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you coming Thank on. Thank you. Oh, that was a left hand. That's not good. So, <laughs> my bad. And yeah, that Thank was you guys. episode whatever this was. The last. There's still two more rednecks to to come on the podcast. <laughs> this is not the last you'll see them. But yeah. Thank you guys for Thank listening. Thank you guys. Love your show.